0: Initiating start-up, startup Sequence.
1: You're listening to the Loud and Queer Podcast, Australia's only national radio show by and for queer youth.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another wonderful episode of Loud and Queer here on Sin Nation. My name is Christian. I'm here with a. and Daniel very we're very happy to be here again um so quick round before we tell you what's coming up um so I am I believe I said gay-ish is my sexuality in the first episode I think I'm standing by that although I might just go with queer because that seems to attract less questions than gay-ish fair enough um (laughs) uh 22 years old nearly 23 next month um and he him pronouns
0: yeah um I'm twi- uh, yeah, 23, I'm transfeminine, and I'm
1: bisexual. My pronouns are she, hers, or they, them. Uh, I'm 22, my pronouns are he, him, and my sexuality is queer.
2: <laughs> Same. Um, <laughs> so, we've got a very fun show coming up. Um, so, Lisa Robinson is at Madrigar at the moment, so we're going to be um, checking up on her, as it were, and... Um, Yeah, parents calling in, asking her what she's been doing with her day, and making sure that she's safe, and (laughs) hearing all about that. Um, (laughs) We'll also be talking about um, AIDS activism today, versus uh, AIDS activism specifically in the 90s, because uh, last week, Daniel and I got the chance to talk to um, Philippe Mongeau, who's a co-writer, with... The co of a film that dealt with AIDS activism in the 90s. So, yeah, if you want to hear the actual interview itself, that will eventually play on ArtsBin. Yes. But for now, we wanted to have a bit of a historical discussion for today. Uh, we'll also be talking about, and we'll also be talking about, uh, G-rated queer stories, um, how much of them there are and whether we need more of them, and I guess how good the ones that are out there are as well. So, yes, um, remember, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at SinLoud. We have a Facebook group called the Sin Nation Loud and Queer Community Cafeteria. Uh, and if you've missed any of our previous episodes or want to listen to this whole episode again, as soon as you have finished listening to it live the first time, um, you can catch it on, on the iTunes, uh, SoundCloud um, and Spotify, I believe, as well. Just all the podcasting apps. So, Great.
1: shall we throw to our first song?
2: Yes, we certainly shall. Um, this is uh, Bip, right? By Sophie? Yes. Yes.
1: Welcome back to Loud and Queer. You're here with Daniel, Christian, and Evie. Uh, you just heard Bip by Sophie. And now we're going to be talking about um, AIDS activism, um, particularly AIDS activism in the 90s versus nowadays. Um, this is particularly relevant at the moment because just a few days ago, Christian and I, um, we got to interview um, Philippe Mongeau, who is the co-writer of a film called BPM, which is all about um, the ACT UP movement in Paris, which was a, how would you call it, Christian, like a AIDS activis- um, activism group? Or? Yeah,
2: a y- youth um, activism yes. group, like very much a sort of a student. I'm just picturing like the... F- the pretty much the first like full dialogue scene of the film now and it's yes. very much in that respect uh, if we're comparing seeing as we're comparing 90s versus now um, in that sort of student activism scene as a comparison I, given I go to Melbourne Uni not much has really changed just given that opening scene of like a, a big sort of meeting of a, a Uni activist group that sort of yeah like the types of conversations and the way it's run um, is very it felt very familiar To me, even though it was like opposite side of the world 20 years ago, which is interesting.
1: Yeah. And I guess um, what this made me start thinking about was back like when I was younger and at school and things like that, that um, when we sort of did sex ed at school, um, or let alone um, homosexual sex education, but we weren't particularly taught much about um, HIV and AIDS. Mm. Um, I don't know what your experience was for both of you. But um... Yeah, it's one of those things, like, we've gone
0: from, you know, like, even 90s AIDS activism was coming from a background of the vast majority of bloody Western governments in the 1980s either outright denied or severely underplayed HIV and AIDS as, you know, health problems that existed and needed to be addressed. And, you know, it's continuing activism, you know, to this day, which has changed that. And, yeah, like, we have lived through quite a bit of that. And, you know, it's not something that you really notice unless you're super engaged with it. But even going back to, you know, when I was in high school, you know, last couple of years of high school, it's just like, all right, you know, this is thing that's mentioned, um, you know, that might come up if you're writing a piece in response to something or, you know, talking about this as, but it was always, it was almost a theoretical, it was, but you're not gay. You
1: know, yeah. Yeah.
0: And this is, this is a thing that only affects gay people. And it's just like, you know, we all know that that's not the case. Yeah. and. At the time, we knew that wasn't the case, but it's the institutional response has changed substantially, as a response predominantly to yeah, gra- grassroots activism.
1: Yes, and I think I remember um, when we were interviewing Philippe he was saying that he actually thinks that it might even in a way be harder nowadays to sort of um, get uh, sort of the knowledge out there, just because back in the nineties there were more people who were um suff- like reaching the terminal stage um very a lot quick more quickly and because now obviously we've had medical advancements things like that so hiv tends to be more manageable so he was saying in some ways it, it can be a bit more difficult now to um to uh to to to, to um stand up for this for this cause yeah. and um And he was also saying that he sort of thinks that not many people care as much anymore just Mm -hmm. because um, you don't necessarily know when somebody um, is pos now because they could be living a perfectly healthy life and things like that. But I think that's just part of of what we have to do is just to educate people that um, you can still be HIV positive and still be living a perfectly healthy life. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there was a recent campaign by the Victorian AIDS Council that sought to address a lot of that, like the fact that, hey, you probably know at least one person who's HIV positive and you don't know. Mm. It's not something that is going to be a major factor in their life. There is a lot of treatments available. There is a lot of ways to reduce risk from it. And this is still a thing that, like, people need to be aware of. Yes.
2: Yeah, definitely. Well, it's, I mean, uh, yeah, obviously BPM beats per minute is set in the 90s, and so is, um, so there's a, first of all, can definitely recommend um, afao.org.au. is a great website to visit for information on this, um, which is the Australian Federation of AIDS uh, Organizations, Plural, right? Yes. Um, but they, they do have an article on there that was talking about, like, representation in film, um, and I think the most well, Dallas Buyers Club is probably kind of the one that got the most attention from the past few years. Um, not set in France, set in America, but, again, the 90s. Um, so in, at least in terms of, you know, popular culture, um, which is in many ways what people pay the most attention to, uh, it's very much kind of puts, um the, well, yeah, really, the whole topic of AIDS, like in the nineties, very much live in the past, um, and really, nineties films are period films now. Um, so <laughs> it's uh, so yeah, it does. It, well, yeah, at least technologically speaking, t- yeah, certainly culturally, in many ways. Um, so it does really reinforce this idea, I guess, of there being, uh, well yeah, like, less urgency and even so much as to say that there's sort of no urgency, that it's this thing of the past. Um, like, you know, of course it's – times are very different now. Um, but, yes, it's, it's definitely – there seems to be a myth that's gone away, um, which is easy to, I guess, to buy into, given that sort of the – that's what a lot of the media portrayals would kind of have you
1: believe. Yep. And yeah, and I think going back to what Evie was saying before, is it kind of being thought of as a just a gay thing as well. Mm. Um, that's just like a... For one, it's irresponsible, but it's dangerous mm. as well because if, especially for youth, if there's heterosexual youth who aren't educated about mm. HIV, it's incredibly dangerous because they could potentially be at risk. And, mm. um, yeah, so, like, I know for me, um, like a few years ago, um, I came across like a few sort of um, YouTube videos from people from our generation who were um, talking about HIV. So I sort of got a bit more education on the topic then because I hadn't really, unless I was seeking it myself, I hadn't really um, been given much information about the topic before that. Um, So, yeah, I just think that just, especially with the youth, there does need to be a lot more education happening. Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah, certainly in terms of – I mean, I guess that sort of trend in schools with sex ed is um, obviously it used to sort of be like across the board just abstinence, just don't do it. That's the best <laughs> thing. Um, and I guess now if it's still an improvement. But, yeah, now I feel like it's sort of more like, um, yeah, stuff like – well, I guess it's mostly, you know, condoms that they're pushing, really, in terms of like that's sort of in in many respects seems to have replaced kind of the absent focus um just yeah condoms condoms for everything condoms yeah. will solve all of your problems <laughs> <laughs> i don't know about all of them um but yeah certainly the improvement from the absence push yeah anyway um yeah so certainly stay tuned for um when the we release some um, our interview with philippe mongeau um yep. that'll be all over the Loud and Queer and the Arts, but in socials. For now we're going to go to a, another song by um, Janelle Monáe, certainly one of the, uh, Queer and Loud, Loud and Queer's... Oh, sorry, that's coming up later. Um, sorry, Janelle Monáe fans. Um, <laughs> you're just going to have to wait. Um, Sophie Groffy's uh, Ransom, S stylized as a dollar sign, is coming up next. Um, and language warning for this one as well. Um, not as in Pardon Our French. That's for the other... Th- topic we were just talking about. (laughs) Um, But yeah, swearing offends you, then um, yeah, just tune out for three minutes and 20 seconds um, and you'll be hearing Demi Lovato with Heart Attack after that. Listening to Loud and Queer on Sin Nation.
0: Hi, you're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin Nation. My name is Evie and we just heard Heart Attack by Demi Lovato. And before that, Ransom by Sophie... Sofography. (laughs) Um, Right now, yeah, we're going to be talking about um, G-rated queer stories. And yeah, would you like to start us off?
2: Yes, I would. Well, look, I would love to start us off with some more G-rated queer stories because I just realised that, um, well, not just, I've been thinking about this for quite a few years, but there really aren't that many of them. Um, And funnily enough, the first example that usually comes to my head, um, I don't think even really fully counts, but it's Harry Potter. I'm sure you remember when J.K. Rowling kind of, uh, what's the word, like retrospectively? Yeah, right. Yes. Retconned. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yes. Retrospective continuity. Retconned. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, uh, Yeah, it's said that. Dumbledore's Gay. And at, um, who was it? Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Um, I don't know if we have that much time to get into the whole plot of Harry Potter, If you're not <laughs> familiar with it. Um, but yeah, basically, two very powerful wizards, former friends, later enemies. Um, friends is really very much what I got from, like, platonic relationship is what I got from actually reading the book itself a while ago, but still, like when I was a child reading Harry Potter, I feel like that's the age group, or at least part of the age group for this book. Um, Yeah, I probably just got platonic, and then it was sort of years later, um, J.K. Rowling was saying, oh, actually, that wasn't platonic, that was a romantic relationship. Um, I think when I heard that, I was like, oh, cool idea, but maybe should have written that in the book, Um, especially (laughs) since all of the other romantic relationships were quite clearly romantic yes um you know like to take again if you don't know harry potter don't worry you're not going to be excluded from this conversation um but joe joe chang one of um harry potter's earlier crushes um there was no doubt that that was a crush um you know a Fling like a yeah, the the hetero flings are all like very, very clearly flings. You know, he's who's it's never kind of oh, that was meant to be Harry lusting after this girl. Couldn't you tell by the way they were, um, I don't know, talking about spells together or (laughs) I'm not sure? Oh, couldn't you tell by the handshake that very, very romantic, sensual handshake (laughs) that that was very clearly romantic? Uh, yeah there's so um yeah th- that but i feel like that's that's a thing um although since that uh i mean they're not queer like youre queer stories as such but quite a big deal was made well quite a big deal in general was made out of the um Beauty and the beast live action remake but also uh, there was two male characters did they kiss i think they just danced together at the very end of the film yeah. they're on screen for a sp- But second dancing, Um, so yeah, I think there were quite a few articles about like oh, you know, Disney's like first openly gay couple or something like that, Um, and I mean that's look, it's not exactly a story. It's more yeah, I wouldn't call that a G-rated queer story. More like a G-rated queer shot, as in literally, you know, three seconds. Yeah, it's you know, cut two men dancing. Oh my God, cut away. Not really a story. I don't know how much that's really going to do for, um, you know, like people who are just old enough to watch PG films but not quite old enough to be let into, let to right. watch any of the movies in the cinema. Yep. Um, I mean, I guess it's a start, but, you know, at the very, at the very least it was not um, sort of, yeah, retconned, a couple, you know, this year by the director of the film being like, oh, by the way, I know you, you never saw them interacting in any romantic way whatsoever, but they're actually a couple and who are very much in love. Couldn't you tell by the handshake? <laughs> yeah. I guess
1: um, mm. something that... Mm. Like, if there's any maybe heterosexual people mm. listening today, why, mm. why is it important that we have these G-rated queer stories? What, what's the message behind them, do you guys think? And, like,
0: I feel like a large thing for me mm. is, you know, growing up, it was, all right, I have an uncle who is a gay man who was in a relationship with another man... And yeah, there was very few pieces of media that I engaged with until I was well into my teens where yep. I actually saw anything resembling their relationship mm. uh, in on TV or in movies or anything like that. And yeah, that was something where it was just like, yeah but I know this exists because these are my relatives. I see them all the time. yeah if I didn't have, relatives who were a gay couple I can't imagine having a very good understanding of that even being a thing mm. o- outside of you know what was then you know the the prim- average primary school understanding of homosexuality which was haha you're gay I'm using this as an insult and mm. um, mm. have no idea what it means because you know, eight year olds but Yeah, it was, it's definitely something more recently where I've just been like, you know, even just when I'm at home, it's just like, everyone I live with was a queer, is a queer person. And I've never seen anything which was, you know, reflective of, hey, queer people tend to be friends with other queer people (laughs) in media. Yeah. It's... Yeah, you know, there's lots of dramatic stories about trans women coming out and it's so angsty and hard and all of their friends assist people. Yeah. And it's just like that's not how that that's not how this experience works for anyone I know mm. and anyone I've engaged with. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, even to the trope of the token gay, you know, and the token gay friend, it's just like where's your gay friends gay friends? Yeah, Like, mm. they might introduce somebody that he kind of interested in, and that'll be the extent of it. Yeah. Also, yeah, almost always a white, wealthy
1: guy. Like, yeah, there's a lot of room for more diversity all around. Yep. Mm. And then quite often it'll be like, oh, he's bi, and then he'll just end up with a girl anyway or something like that. <laughs> but um anyway, like, for me, I think um why we need m- more G-rated... Content, I think it's important just because they quite often depict just sort of everyday activities. Yeah. And I think just because our being queer, my life is more than just my romantic life. Yeah. I still, you know, get up every morning and go to uni or work or whatever. And I feel like if we have more G rated content, it's just like I'm queer at every every hour of the day like that doesn't <laughs> change <laughs> so we need to like just have more representation of this community and just as people just living their lives and um yeah and it doesn't always have to be you know a dramatic love story like <laughs> call me by your name or something like that <laughs> um yeah and it doesn't and
2: always have oh sorry go on no no go on uh, i was just gonna say it doesn't always have to be sexual like i think when a lot of people think of you know queer um film and tv or like queer stories on film and tv or queer characters um they just think of like lots and lots of sex so that's i think is what is blocking like any sort of g or even pg rated content is the thing like well we can't have sex scenes and have it g or pg so it's i don't know it's it's the most frustrating thing when some people yeah if i'm trying to talk to them about well, yeah, basically queer stories, like, it's like they hear the word queer, they just, they immediately think sex, even just sex in general, just they sort of yeah. put the queer thing aside and like, oh, you mean sex? I like sex. I wasn't necessarily talking about sex. Um, so <laughs> that I feel is what, um, yeah, it's like, it's like this sort of, there's, there's still very much this bias towards, uh, I mean, you know, thankfully, like, uh, what am I trying to say? You, you, you'd never see sort of on the, like the content warnings of the, classifications like PG&M and such, um, uh, you know, so, I don't know, something like homosexual themes or queer themes, like that's never sort of, they, they never actually put it on there as this is automatically makes it MA. Mm. Um, but, I mean, I feel, I feel like even sort of implicitly, because, you know, you see stuff like just themes in general, like mild themes, strong themes. So I feel like uh, it, it's, yeah, there is very much still, it's very much this idea that, like, queer films can't be for kids, that they have to be, well, yeah, dramatic love stories, um, they have to have lots of sex scenes, they have to be very sort of adult. And I, I guess it's not even, you know, just sex, but uh, some people even sort of think, oh, well, no, queer, queer films have, you know, like, well, yeah, the whole sex, drugs, rock and roll. Like, they have? if you have a queer film, you have to have, like, these club scenes and you have to have, like... Um, you know, yeah, like drug use, you have to show drug use, you have to show sort of this whole 18 plus, very 18 yeah. plus kind of lifestyle, It's almost which can't if, possibly be for kids.
1: Yeah, it's almost as if the media is yeah. saying to mm. engage, to mm. sort of be aware of homosexuality, you need to have reached a certain level of maturity or something <laughs> like that, as yeah. if it's like, hmm. it's like, I don't know, like it's a, it needs an age restriction or something like that. Yeah. But it's just, who certain people are and mm. I, uh, there's yeah. it just angers me but <laughs> it angers me too <laughs> yes yeah. and and even like if there are representations at the moment they you know like evie was saying they usually have the rich white boy and just not realistic depictions um so yeah it's just annoys me a little bit and mm. uh, like we need to you know improve on that but um yeah, like, can you guys think of any maybe TV shows that have come out recently or something like that where they have depicted... I'd like, actually like to mention two writers that yep. I've engaged with. Um,
0: like, from Melbourne, uh, Miranda Sparks is an author who writes probably superhero fiction. Okay. You know, comic book style, yep. which, you know, it has a heap of queer characters... They, they just happen to be queer. It's not a huge, imp- like, yeah. a huge important part of the story. And also Sophie LaBelle, who is a you know, comic writer who predominantly makes stuff aimed at children, you know, mm. kids, and yeah, as well as stuff more aimed at adults. But again, it's very G rated. It's not, here's all this sex and drama. <laughs> it's just,
1: hey, funny jokes. Being queer can be fun. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, um, like, it even made me thinking about, like, um, in terms of advertising, advertisement and things like that, um, just, like, it can, I think it needs to sort of seep into those media as well. But, um, yeah, I think we're going to pass through a song now. Yes. Um, so... Where first off we're going to play uh, Make Me Feel by Janelle Monet and then after that we're going to hear Rangers by Lars Rand Randa. Uh, you're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin Nation. Do you want a Sin too? <whistles> Apply for a Sin Access Scholarship and start your broadcast training for free. Visit syn.org.au forward slash access to apply. Welcome back to Loud and Queer on Sin Nation. You're here with Daniel, Christian and Evie. You just heard "Rangers" by Lars Randa, who's an up-and-coming uh, trans rapper from New Zealand. And before that, we heard Make Me Feel by Janelle Monet, which is an absolute knee-slapper of a tune. Um, <laughs> please go and check out the video clip for that because it's just awe-inspiring. I love it. Um, I'm going to pass over to Christian now because we've got an exciting segment coming up now.
2: Yes, we have presenter Lisa Robinson on the line, all the way from Mardi Gras, um, who has lots to tell us about, everything she's been up to. So, how are you doing, Lisa?
3: Oh, my God. Hi. Hey. Hey. How are you, (laughs) guys?
2: Thanks for joining us today. Are you having fun over there?
3: Yes. Oh, my goodness. It's so amazing. I have glitter in every orifice of my body and it just will not come out.
2: Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, so yeah, what what have you been doing? What what have been some highlights so far?
3: Um, Well, you know, I did the curiosity thing when I got here because I have not been to Sydney as an adult. So I went and saw the Sydney Harbour and whatever Mm -hmm. and the Opera House. Um, (laughs) Had a couple Uh,
1: glasses of grape juice
3: on, you know, upon landing in Sydney. So that was delicious. And then yesterday for the parade, that was just like, you've never seen anything like it. The roads in Sydney are blocked off probably like a kilometre radius. And the, obviously the parade happens, but it's almost more about the people that are there Um, because everyone goes to so much effort for their costumes and, I don't know they just everyone just looks incredible it's almost like the closer you get into Oxford Street the more outlandish everybody is (laughs) and it just made me feel so at home
1: oh wow that's so great yeah Um, it was incredible we were also wanting to ask you like um what was your motivation behind going to Mardi Gras what what made you want to go
3: Oh, well, I have wanted to go since I was, like, 12. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But since I've turned 18, I've actively been convincing my friends to come with me. And then this year, I finally had a group of friends that were going. And, yeah, that's about it. It's pretty much been in my blood since I was, like, a baby. I've always watched the um, SPS coverage and the ABC coverage on TV and just been like, oh, my goodness, when am I going to get to go? And I have been to London Pride, which is quite similar.
1: Oh, fantastic.
3: Um, And that was just amazing. And then I was like, well, Sydney Mardi Gras must be a million more times more amazing. Um, But I didn't get to see Cher because the tickets were about $200. (laughs) (laughs) And she was not on a float, so (sighs) I didn't get to see her. Uh,
1: Okay.
3: Um, But just, you know, knowing that I'm breathing the same air as you know the almighty
1: share. That's enough for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the share out I, I agree.
2: But the share out must be must be wonderful. <laughs> oh my goodness, it
1: is. <laughs> and um, with it being the 40th anniversary as well, I imagine that it's probably maybe even bigger than it usually is. Um,
3: yeah. Yeah. Well, um, there is apparently it's the biggest one yet. Which is why this is the year after me begging my friends for six odd years. Um, this is the year that everyone sort of come up for it. Um literally everyone is here for Mardi Gras. It's, you can just, you walk down the street and you can just tell, you know, you smell each other out. Like everyone is here for Mardi Gras. Um, and also the crowd is probably like got an older demographic regardless, but there's just like so many old timers walking around. Like I saw a couple, I think they were, must've been about 60 or 70 year old men just like holding hands in their Hawaiian shirt.
1: Oh and
3: I was living.
1: That is so good. Absolutely
3: living. It was so cute because, you know, when this all started, they wouldn't have been able to do that, and it was all protest and yes. stuff like that. So be, to be able to see it and see them so happy and then see them so happy watching us being so happy, do you know what I mean? It was just a really, really nice moment. But in saying that, there's also been um, not-so-nice moments. So my friend and I do, um, we've, we did, like female drag essentially last night and she looked like a rainbow dream and i was living my best unicorn fantasy and this was as we were walking there from our hostel and just out the front of our hostel we had you know groups of boys you know straight cis boys saying um yelling out really bad slurs and and all of this and it was just not very nice and i kind of understand where the lockout laws come from now (laughs) in Sydney (laughs) because people are just really I've never seen anything like it or maybe they just got a bit chatty happy because it is Mardi Gras and everyone's out for a party um but yeah just the amount of people yelling out and just being very very obnoxious was just awful that wasn't up where the parade was that was down where we are yeah but still it's just there's no excuse for it
1: Such a shame, yeah. How did you deal with it? Did you just ignore them or...?
3: Oh, well, you know me, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) I do. (laughs) Um, No, I didn't ignore it. (laughs) I yelled some, you know, some um, obscenities right back at them. (laughs) But, you know, they just want to yell something at you and run away. There's none... um, Well, for us, at least, there was no actual intent behind it. It was just being very rude. Yeah. So we were lucky in that sense, you know what I mean? Like, it didn't get physical, it didn't come to confrontation, nothing like that happened. It was just a matter of, you know, young boys running past and yelling stuff at us and then me yelling stuff back and then running away.
1: <laughs> and um, so what's what have you got planned for tonight?
3: Tonight I think we are going to have a very, very gay, low-key barbecue and watch RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> At my friend's house. Okay, sure. great. So nothing too um, extreme, but yeah,
1: it's just going to be a cute little queer night in. Yeah. And is tonight the last night of the festival? Yes. Yep. Yes. Okay, so great. we
3: did Friday night and we did Saturday night. <laughs> That's why my voice sounds this horrendous. <laughs> and now we're going to go and um, have a little lie down and some food.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, thanks so much for um calling in. So great to get some first hand, um, get just to hear how it's all going. Um, we yes. hope you have the best night tonight. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks so much for calling in, and we're gonna thank you
3: for having me, darling.
1: That's okay. We'll see you soon. I
3: miss you all. Oh, Bye. I,
1: miss I miss you too. Can't wait to
2: have you back next <laughs>
3: next week. Yes, yeah,
1: next week. See you there. See you, Bye. Later, Lisa. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> So, we're now going to throw to a couple of songs. Um, so, we have uh, 19 Hours by Freya coming up, and after that, New Parts of Me by Lionizer. Uh, you're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin Nation. Hey, you're listening to Loud
0: and Queer on Sin Nation. My name is Eve, and so we just heard New, new Parts of Me by Lionizer, and before that, we heard 19 Hours by Freya. Um, yeah, these are both bands that I'm really excited about and wanted to bring into play today. Um, Lion Eyes are, are a three-piece from Perth, and, yeah, they just make really fun punk tunes, and, yeah, I really enjoy their music. Um, and, yeah, before that, with, um, Freya. Freya is a, yeah, a solo musician from, yeah from Melbourne, uh, she's somebody I've had the fortune of meeting a few times and actually jamming with before. And awesome. you know, she is a lovely person. And I was very excited to play her music. Um, wow.
2: Yeah. yeah. And for your, um, yeah, hopefully YouTube will collaborate on the next track of hers that we play <laughs> on the show. that will be awesome. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, well, I believe that just about brings us to the end of the episode as sad as that is to say um, it really is sad but we hope you've enjoyed it um, so we've talked about quite a few things curated queer stories AIDS activism 90s versus now um, from the f- interview with Philippe Mongeau again keep an ear out an ear and an eye out for that yep um, or two ears and two eyes, if you have two ears or two eyes. So I don't want to presume. Um, <laughs> and Mardi Gras, of course. Um, we, of course, they uh, present Lisa Robinson for, um, after she woke up, uh, calling in <laughs> to, t- <laughs> to tell us about that. Oh, um All right. Well, remember to tune in next week, of course. Um, and... Once again, you can check out uh, the podcast um, on Omni, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Uh, and also Twitter at Sin Loud and the Sin Nation Loud and Queer Community Cafeteria Facebook group for um, yeah news throughout the week, what's coming up. All right. Um, but we're going to take you out with uh, Not Worth Hiding by Alex the Astronaut. Thanks, everyone.
0: We'll
1: see, see you next, next
2: week. week. See you. Bye.
1: Tune in to hear Loud and Queer streaming live on SinNation at sin.org.au. You can find more of our episodes on Omni, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Our podcast music is by accident. You can find more of her music on Bandcamp. You can find us on Facebook in the Sin Nation Loud and Queer Community Cafeteria and find us on Twitter at SinLoud.